This is Bach to Bach, the podcast opening up the world of classical music, one beer at a time. It is our 50th episode, and it is all about Bach and beer. So welcome to episode 50. We made it. We, we made, made it. 50. We peaked. We literally peaked. This is the highest episode we've done. All downhill from here. Actually, really, as you go up, it's just continually going higher. Anyway, um, but we are 50 episodes in, and you know we want to hear from you. What are your favorite episodes to date? Minimalism seems to really trend it's high. It's for some reason. like And of all pieces, like Steve Reich yeah. is just, it's what's sexy right now, I guess. Uh, Maddie, what have been some of your, your favorites I still track back to Norman Wynn and the very first one, maybe because it was it was new and the Danse Macabre is one of my favorite pieces of all time. I, I, what do you think? Mine, I have two. One for like uh, name dropping and one for pure dorkism. Uh, dorkism is absolutely when the Darren and Griffin episode, episode four, yeah, that was where I get to talk about Marvel and Star Wars, uh, two of my favorite hobbies uh, in life, which is sad, but for true. four hours, Kevin. For four hours. Yeah. Um, and then uh, probably actually the most, the coolest one as far as the name drop was interviewing Group Muse. Yeah. Uh, and just seeing the gro- growth of them. Uh, I just met a group a few weeks back called the Palaver Strings. They're based out of Boston. They're right. a really innovative chamber ensemble that'll be here this summer. And uh, they are actually actively Group Musers themselves. They perform constantly in the Boston scene. They know the founders. They've also sent people across the country to uh, San Francisco and, uh, and to the new one, L.A., to perform at those ones that they just launched. So it's cool to see the circles collide. Yeah, uh, how, how small the world really how is. How small the world really is. And uh, yeah, and so now but we're on to new, new territory. This is really new territory. And this is a particularly exciting episode, too, because we are dealing with, we got the Portland Bach Festival coming into town. This is this is actually your heads up. If you're a, if you're a, a Mainer, uh, this coming week, uh, the week of the the twentieth is something. Yeah. Or the nineteenth is something you're going to want to pay attention to. In the year of two thousand seventeen. Yeah, you you are going to yeah for those <laughs> for listening those who are listening years, from, years now, from now. Um, you you're going to want to make your way down to Portland and specifically Monday the nineteenth at the Ocean Gateway Terminal. There is a Bach and Beer event. So we're interviewing people involved with that particular event. Now one of them is uh, Bruce Forsley, who's uh, president over at Shipyard Brewing, and Mainly because there's a really, really exciting uh, development. I can't that's wait about to talk to about that over there. in the segment. It's going to be like, it's, it's so incredible to the, see what's going to happen. They are on the verge of, of creating a, a new segment of beer with, with uh, tea-infused beer. And not just what a lot of people are doing by chucking tea bags in beer and saying, wait, look at this. Uh, this is a, a, a whole new step. And we sat down with Bruce, and you'll hear him a bit if later If we on. ever did like went back and renamed the Game Changer episode, yeah. this would... Bruce would be the perfect guest for, honestly, this beer and these beers from Shipyard are going to be uh, completely changing the entire market of how we view and drink beer. Exactly. And, well, and, and then coupled with that, you know, just talk about game changers, just the idea, because Portland is so beer-centric, combining uh, a, a beer event with classical music in this week-long festival um, is, is also really exciting. And, of course, in the beautiful 
uh, venue of Ocean Gateway looking out over Portland Harbor. It's going to be uh, a chance for you to go uh, listen to some fantastic Bach and at the same time sample some local breweries, Shipyard being one of them. Uh, there'll be Bissell there, there'll be a, a bunch of others as well, all people that we've we've sat down with in yeah. the past. And what's, for those who don't know, Portland Bach Festival, we actually recorded an episode a year ago but never released it. Maybe we'll do a, 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 That's right. a secret release of this and so we, we apologize for never getting that out to you. Uh, but for those who don't know, this is the second annual Portland Bach Festival, uh, started by Emily Isaacson Tucker and uh, Lewis Kaplan. Uh, Emily is the director of the Oratorio Chorale here in Portland, uh, I think just outside Portland. And then uh, Lewis Kaplan is senior violin professor at Juilliard. Um, so between the two you, of them, you they might have, have heard you might resume. have heard of Juilliard before. It's, yeah, it's a uh, it's little school. It's a little, little, little quaint little school uh, in a town called New York City. Um, but yeah, it's uh, they've really, in the past two years, they sold out, I believe, every concert they had last festival yep. uh, over the over the course of a week. And um, and this year, they're really kind of taking up a notch. Uh, bigger names, uh, more innovative programming, including uh, they're opening up with Bach on a Blanket. So basically, like you bring it's a picnic. I kind missed of a, that. A, a, that is yeah, really so you, cool. It's, I think it's the opening concert, and you set up blankets and relax, listen to some chamber music. So it's really cool ways to approach classical music. People after our own hearts, making it more accessible, more fun, uh, and and just eliminating the mystique around it. And, ba- and Bach isn't the sexiest. That's the thing. It's like it's not the most approachable music. So they're doing it in really unique. See, I don't know. Ways. I've always I've always thought the unaccompanied Bach cello suites were one of the most yes, sexy. but that's just one sensual. That's, that's I think not so much sexy more sensual well I, I think that that's one thing but like some of his oratorios and his more choral works are not as performed so uh, what's what's more sexier than ds ray right in a in a, a nice lot. kind of a lot church setting but let's go back and focus again on bruce forsley and shipyard brewing company and their new approach to beer bruce thanks for being with here with us today my this pleasure is, this is great and this is an exciting time for like a really exciting time for shipyard well, we're on the cusp of a new uh, revolutionary beverage. So in that regard, yeah, it's exciting. I mean, tell us about it a bit. Is it, uh, how did the tea beer, what was the origin of it as far as, I mean, I know there's a couple of folks around the nation experimenting, but where did it come from here at Shipyard? Well, going back about 15 years ago, we tried to make a, an alcoholic iced tea, and uh, we failed miserably. Uh, <laughs> the brand was called Ice Pick. Uh, shortly thereafter, Sam Adams came out with one called Bodine's, which evolved into uh, Twisted Tea. So we've always had an eye on the uh, partnership between tea and beer. They're both brewed or steeped, as you know. Plus, our legacy in brewing is, goes back to uh, England and the U.K., where tea is a centuries-old tradition. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we've always thought there's a place, a marriage, a partnership, a collaboration of some kind between tea and beer. Um, and, and as far as the team up, the collaboration with Tiesta, where did, were you looking around and they yeah. popped out? They, they're obviously, their ethos kind of... Well, that's a great question because Tiesta is a tea brand, loose, uh, loose leaf tea brand out of Chicago, Illinois. But I have a, a friend here in um, Portland who is a member of kind of a, um, a nationwide young entrepreneurs group. Now, I definitely do not qualify. <laughs> However, they, they gave me a waiver because I was bringing beer to the party. So nice. uh, I met uh, these two young men, um, Dan Klein and Patrick Tanous, uh, the owners, president and CEO of uh, Tiesta Tea. And in the course of conversation, again, I brought up the fact that I believed that there was a place for tea and beer together. And of course, these young men in their late 20s who are in the tea business but would love to be in the beer business thought yeah. it was a terrific idea. Oh, yeah. And yeah. As, far as, as far as, so there's two new tea beers you are featuring or as releasing uh, mm-hmm. next month. 
Um, or what, well, when is the when the release is imminent, right? It's right. We're in the process right now of brewing and uh, packaging towards the end of the month for release by July first. Awesome. Yeah. And the two, yeah, the two beers that we have, we have Fireberry and Maui Mango. Yeah. So Tiesta Tea probably makes about fifty different tea blends, and as I've learned, uh, people buy tea uh, either for flavor, of course, or for function. And every one of the tea blends that Tiesta makes has a specific physiological effect in mind, and it could be for ap- appetite stimulation or suppressants. It could be for um, energy or immunity. So we choose chose two blends: Fireberry, which is um, for energy, and Maui Mango, which is for immunity. Uh, and through the brewing process, we can guarantee just about a cup of tea in every beer. So if you believe in the functionality of the tea, you should get the same functionality in a beer. It's practically a health drink, really. It's pretty much, I mean, yeah. So it's good for any exercise. It's great. <laughs> now, this has been on, obviously, it's not out in, in cans yet, but uh, it's been on tap at the tasting room here at Shipyards. What, what's the response been like? It's incredible. Um, we've had it on draft now since going back to like November, October even. And it, the two uh, tea beers have consistently been one and two most popular beers in our tasting room for the last six months. Now, some of that is because you can't get it anywhere else, so people are going to come in and try it. But we also have little um, cards, comment cards that people can fill out, and the response that we've been reading is, is equally as enthusiastic. I mean, people love the, the freshness, the easy-to-drink uh, qualities. Uh, it almost, like you were saying, it, we cannot advertise the health benefits in alcoholic beverage, but there are certain drinks that you drink, no matter what, that you just feel like they're better for you than others, and this is one of them. Yeah, oh, I kind of agree with that. We had it the other day, and it it's it's, it's so stuff. clean. That's the one thing we, mm-hmm. we were talking about before. Like it's, it, there's very low carbonation. It's really clean to drink. It's mm-hmm. easy to go down. Um, it's refreshing. It's not overwhelming. You can have two and still be okay. And um, yeah. And still function then for the rest of the day without feeling grogged down like other beers. But and you, Kev, I mean, Kev's normally a really heavy IPA fellow, and I like my stouts and porters. And I, I think we each had a way, sip, like and neither of us mm, even blinked perfect, twice. Releasing it on you know, July first yeah. is such a perfect time of year because this is this is like the summer beer. Well, they both have uh, yerba mate as kind of like the backbone. So we've taken the hops out of the brewing process and replaced it with this uh, herbal tea blend. Uh, but the mate is important because it uh, provides some astringency and balance to the malt, which is effectively what hops do. They provide bitterness to offset the sweetness in malt. Mm. So you get that, um, that like I said, backbone in the beer from the mate, and you also get natural energy from mate. It's a, a plant from South America that has been ingested by the indigenous peoples of South America for hundreds and hundreds of years as a, as a stimulant. Uh, somewhat similar to what we do here in America with coffee or tea. Right. Uh, so the mate is a natural stimulant. It doesn't give you the jitters. doesn't give you headaches. It has a lot of uh, positive qualities about it. If you look online, you can learn about uh, anti-carcinogenic qualities to the product as mm. well. So the mate is the backbone. And then the herbal tea blends, which are very complex. With the fireberry, it's, it's a, a hibiscus and currants and blackberry leaves and dried cranberries and rose petals. And on the, uh, on the Maui mango, it's pineapple and cranberry and mango and strawberry and white hibiscus and marigold and safflower. And so all those ingredients provide color. They provide aroma and that beautiful, easy-to-drink flavor that um, makes what you both have commented on just a very delightful beverage. And as far as like uh, getting to the point of it being a final product from Fireberry and from Maui Mango, how long was the process from the brewing standpoint as far as like you experimentation, know, experimentation, finding the right balance from start to finish? You know? Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, this project has been the most difficult and time consuming of anything we've brought to market. 
Uh, it took us over nine months to get the federal government to approve the use of all of those ingredients I mentioned in the making of a malt beverage. Yeah. Um, there's a pre-approved list of ingredients that uh, a lot of these, uh, these ingredients were not on there. So we had to get them tested and proven to be safe in the use of a malt beverage. Uh, and then the labeling in the, in the production of the artwork, um, the federal government is very concerned about misleading consumers into thinking this is something that it's not. And so the packaging itself was rejected five times for really? corrections uh, that we needed to make to make everybody feel comfortable that we're not misleading, we're not uh, actively marketing towards under 21-year-olds, mm -hmm. and we're not telling people that it's a healthy beverage because it is still beer. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> so it's been a, very, a real challenge. Uh, we started the conversation probably back in June or July. The first batch of beer that we tested was in August, and here we are bringing it to market July 1st. Wow. It, I think it should be brought up as well that... Uh, just uh, the other day, there was a baseball and brews event here at the uh, the Portland Sea Dogs. If you yeah. don't know Portland, the the Sea Dogs are incredibly involved in the community, and, and the Shipyard farm, has been and incredibly the farm team for the Red Sox and the farm team for the Red Sox. And Shipyard's been a great supporter of the Sea Dogs. <laughs> and uh, the, in this baseball and beer event, there were a load of a uh, load of different breweries. I think eight or nine, uh, and each of them with uh, usually three to four beers each. And of all of them, the only two kegs to kick were the the Maui Mango and the Fireberry, and it was a huge crowd. So I, I think that's you know, the, the opening testing right there. Indicative of the consumer response. And also a week before that, at the Sierra Nevada Beer Camp, mm. which is kind oh, of like right. a traveling road show of... Uh, Held at Thompson's Point this yeah, year, Yeah, Thompson's right? Point, right. Huge crowd and probably, I, I don't know, 50 or 60 breweries, maybe more. Uh, and again, the, the talk of the show were the two tea beers that's because awesome. they're just different from what anybody else is doing. At the end of the day, there's a lot of breweries out there making great IPA, but do we need another IPA? Right. So and we have decided to go in a direction where the, it's a less crowded playing field. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and again, like the quote-unquote hip beers right now are uh, East Coast IPAs and um, and and gozes, and like they are they're the the quote-unquote thing they'll drink right now. Mm -hmm. But this is gonna, I think, change the whole concept and mindset. Like this is a new new style of beer that's really gonna defeat and change the whole market. Well, there's another component to this, and uh, you know, Shipyard's a brand that's 25 years old. We do want to be contemporary and relevant to the next generation of beer drinkers. And today's, I, I think using the word millennial is just a sweeping generalization, but let's say young people at 21 to 35 year old today are drinking more tea and less coffee than the previous generation. Mm. Uh, ready to drink teas, like your Arizona iced tea and Snapples, their sales are dramatically in the increase in the last two years. Really. Uh, we know that this generation is more concerned about a healthy lifestyle, incorporating, um, you know, their decadence, so to speak, to, but into a, a healthier lifestyle. And we believe that this beverage meets that that consumer's demand and expectation. And also, I've been reading about how young people today are very concerned about uh, even the groceries they buy, such that they read the nutritional panel before purchasing. And with this, you can go on to tiestatea.com and read about all the benefits and the incredible ingredients that are in our, our beers. And that, again, education, knowing what the product's about, where it's coming from, these are important aspects and attributes, and we think we're delivering it. Well, especially to be able to like, get the information about what you're drinking when you're not in the tasting room, because you can get that right in the tasting room immediately, but when you're not able to do that and you're drinking this out of the can, learning all that background behind what's in your drink is, is really kind of something that's been... People are invested in it. Yeah, People like yeah. that idea. Um, and as far as the, the ABV for, for these beers, where are we sitting at for... It's four and a half. It's pretty mild. It's so like, it's... And again, if you're uh, looking at, you know, I want to have a few beers, but I'm concerned about going to the gym tomorrow, 
a low alcohol beer is, yeah. is a safe bet. Yeah. Um, so I was going to just finish up on that um, the nutritional component. Uh, again, we're not saying that these beers are, are making you a healthier person. Right. Yes. Um, but if you were to uh, drink a twisted tea, for example, and you wanted to find out what was in it, I've tried. You can't. No, can't do it. Can't do it. Right. But if you want to drink one of the fireberries and Maui mangoes and you want to know what's in it, you can go either to shipyard.com or tiesta.com and learn about all these fabulous ingredients. It's all natural. We're not hiding anything. That's amazing. Well, and you can also, if you want to sample some of this in the very near future, you know, the, the focus of this particular episode is on the upcoming Portland Bach Festival. A lot of our local listeners have the chance to come down, hear some, uh, some Bach, and we're going to be talking with, uh, after the, uh, the break with uh, uh, Momo Wong, who's a, a violinist, um, who'll be performing in this festival. You can come on down, listen to some great Bach performances, and try Fireberry and try Maui Mango right here at Ocean Gateway on June 19th on Monday. Um, and that's, you know, we'll, we'll put the information at the end of the episode, but that's a really great chance to come down, interface with some shipyard folks, and, and ask the questions that people want to know, right? In a spectacular environment. Yeah, right. On the harbor, with classical view, music, yeah. and great beer. And you, can, and you can see Shipyard Brewery from the, uh, from the venue. So what better, way to, what better way to engage? What better way to try out a, what's bound to be a really exciting brew? And uh, which one do you lean towards? Oh, yeah. I'm a Fireberry guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> same, same. Yeah, yeah. How, how have you seen as far as sales for both of you, as far as the taste? It's amazing. It's like 50-50. Is it really? Yeah. And, uh, in fact, one of my colleagues here who is, uh, you know, a male about my age, you would think would, le- would lean towards the Fireberry because the Fireberry, a little less fruit, a little more tea, mm-hmm. and whereas the mango is a little fruitier. He said to me the other day, you know, Fireberry used to be my favorite. I've changed. Now it's Maui, Maui Mango. Right. So, you know, it's 50-50. Nice. Mm-hmm. And there's been people coming up uh, at the beer camp you mentioned before. We had one of the salesmen here mentioned that he had a guy walk by, just tried to get his attention. He said, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not really into the fruit beers. And he said, just give it a give it a try. And next thing you know, he's bringing 10 of his friends over to try, and he's just raving about I think he's got video of it. Um, you know, the response is across the board. Yeah. Just fantastic. Uh, I, think, I think it's time... Got to give Bruce the pop quiz. The the bo- quiz? Oh, oh we, got, we got a Bach to Bach pop so quiz. So good news Easy. is that there is no wrong answer. Okay, cool. Because I didn't prep. Good, good news no, that's is that it. you need to have like zero background in anything, pretty much, just to answer these questions. Oh, yeah. Um, the way it works, Maddie says the question number. I say the question, and you say the first thing that comes to your mind. Just for all of our guests. Super yeah. easy. Okay. okay. You ready? Yeah. All right, number one. So what type of beer best describes your personality? Shipyard Summer. Ooh, okay. good one. <laughs> number two? What superpower would you love to have? Ooh, can I say break seventy in golf? <laughs> oh, that's the best. We have one not we've had, had a yet. golf superpower yet. That's everyone it. Everyone goes flying. That's how a close good one. Yeah, seventy-one, a couple times. Oh, okay. right, right. <laughs> but I can't seem to break the threshold. So that's a superpower. <laughs> that's uh, that's, the that's best good. Yeah, that's good. Um, well, then to round it out, number three. Uh, what celebrity would you want to try Shipyards, Fireberry, and Maui Mango? Well, I've always thought if I could come back in another life, I'd be Ricky Fowler. You probably don't know who Ricky I, Fowler I, I is. I don't. So. No, enlighten us. Enlighten, he, yeah. he, he's a, uh, about a 27-year-old former dirt bike rider who's now a professional golfer, and he's just too cool. To, he's just the coolest. <laughs> just the man. And uh, he's handsome. Everybody loves him. And he's the, the, the darling of the PGA Tour, my it's interesting. My son loves him, and uh, my dad's best friend, who's 85, loves him, and women adore him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the kid's got it. The only downside is he doesn't drink. 
Oh, really? (laughs) So I couldn't give him a fire barrier or a Maui mango, but uh, he's a great guy. He'd be a great person to be um, a spokesperson or endorse the product. There we go. Captain Eli Soda, perhaps? Perhaps. Perhaps. Better choice. (laughs) (laughs) Much more fitting. That's it. Well, Bruce, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for coming on Bach to Bach. And uh, and let's look forward to Fire... People can find Fireberry and Maui Mango... well, it'll be in all the Hannaford uh, grocery stores here after the 4th of July in RSVP in any of your really your craft beer stores uh, at our brewery. Definitely come down to yeah. ship yeah. your brewery. Great experience. In my garage. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a personal invitation to the Buck to Buck Nation right there. Um, but yes, yeah. thank you so much thank for being so here today. Kevin and Manny, thanks a lot for having me. Appreciate Cheers. it. Thanks so much. The Portland Bach Festival not only features the top performers in Baroque music and those specializing in Bach from around the world, but now feature doctoral and master students who want to specialize in this field as well. We sat down with violinist Momo Wong, a doctoral student from Juilliard School of Music, about her involvement with the festival and also her interests outside of classical music. We are here with Momo Wong, who is a uh, Bach Virtuoso recipient for the Portland Bach Festival. Momo, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for coming Thank on. you so much for having me. Um, so for the listeners uh, from the Bach to Bach Nation, can you give them a little bit of background about uh, who you are, um, you know, where you're currently at uh, as a violinist, and, uh, and your involvement with the Portland Bach Festival? Yes, um, well, I'm a current Juilliard student. I'm a first-year grad student. Um, I grew up in Boston, went to NEC Prep Awesome. Uh, for about 10 years, actually. It's and, quite a long time. And where, where in Boston were you? Um, well, Brookline. Brooklyn, okay, nice. Yes. Um, and I uh, went to NEC Prep for 10 years and um, went to Juilliard for my undergrad, and now I'm in my fifth year at Juilliard. Awesome. And I study with uh, Mr. Lewis Kaplan. Excellent. And also, well, I'm sharing right now for my grad studies uh, with Don Weilerstein. Yes. And um, yes, uh, right now, uh, Lewis Kaplan is the director of the Portland Bach Festival, which is why I'm in Portland today. Wonderful. And actually, you might know one of our previous guests, uh, Drew Alexander Ford. Yes, ah, he would. Viola Kid. Viola yeah. Kid, oh, yes. Oh, he's we interviewed awesome. him a few episodes back. Yeah, so. He's really Former really awesome. Juilliard grad himself. And, uh, really, yeah. yeah. He's amazing. He's amazing. so, he's really reinvented the way Viola's cool. Uh, yes. <laughs> really, yeah. um, and his videos are amazing, too. They're so they really cool. Uh, the one he did with, recent with Nathan Chan on Shala oh, was Oh, my goodness. Really, that really, was, oh, that, that was, was so much that fun. That was great. Um, and so, so, and uh, going into you having, uh, being a Bach Virtuoso recipient from the Portland Bach Festival. Uh, what does that mean? Mm, it's a great honor, okay. a really, really great honor. Um, it's the first year we're doing it, um, and there are nine of us. So we perform with many of the faculty, uh, perform in master classes, uh, public performances, um, do some outreach. Um, and we mainly focus on uh, 17th century and 18th century music. Okay. So, well, I guess Bach. Bach. It's, it's, yes. It is a Bach it's festival. Bach festival. <laughs> it is Bach festival. So we are focusing on music that's related to Bach. Um, for example, um, I will be performing um, Mozart String Trio um, and uh, KV 404A. And those pieces were... Uh, Mozart was influenced by Bach greatly, so he took some um, pieces uh, or parts from uh, the well-tempered clavier um, and put it into his prelude and fugues. 
And so we will be performing that. And it is a really great piece. And so there are many pieces like that on the program, pieces that were influenced by Bach and, of course, you know, Bach himself. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and have you always been gravitated towards Baroque and Bach yourself? Or has that something, is that a new endeavor for you? Um, well, it's, I would say that it's uh, fundamentals for all string instruments yeah. or any instrumentalist. Um, so, um, I mean, I think to be honest, I wouldn't say he's my favorite composer, but I would say that he is the greatest composer. Yes. Yeah. Um, and any musician knows that we always have to return to Bach and he always is at the basis of any musician's life. So um, even if you're warming up, you might be playing Bach, all right? So um, yeah, that's, um, I think it is really as important for all classical musicians to study and perform Bach. Incredible. And then as far as, um, what are you looking forward to most about the, this festival, being part of this festival, mm -hmm. both as a performer and an attendee? Like, mm -hmm. Oh, um, there are too many things, but, okay. uh, <laughs> but I think number one is um, the people, definitely. Okay. Um, the faculty is really amazing. Um, you know, so much um, knowledge and so much love and joy working with everyone. Um, I just met the Bach Virtuosi um, two days ago, and everyone's so friendly, so welcoming, and I'm really looking forward to collaborating with everyone. And so definitely the number one thing is the people. Yeah. Um, making connections, um, making music together. Um, yes, I'm really looking forward to that. Awesome. And the last thing we want to ask about, like, you are also really, and you almost did not go into violin. You almost went into illustration <laughs> and film true. instead. That's true. That's uh, true. You were looking, I think you said a Pratt and, uh, um, not Pratt. Um, Parsons. Parsons, yes. yes and, uh, and, and And then uh, what, what was, as far as film, you were looking at? Uh, Tish. Tish, yeah. Tish, yeah. Um, and so uh, why, why, why illustration and film? Like, this, mm -hmm. not, not, not why violin, but mm -hmm. uh, what drove you to love illustration and film and almost doing that for a career? Oh, um, I mean, I've always loved uh, movies. I love watching movies um, and drawing. I, I love illustration so much. Um, in my spare time, I would just be doodling away. Um, in class, I would be that student, yeah. you know, drawing on my <laughs> notebook, not listening to the teacher. So um, I think in a way, music has been the same way for me. It's just something that has been ingrained in me. It's kind of like eating every day or do doodling every day. It's something that I, I really love to do. And... Um, it allows me to express what's in my head, the, all the, these things that I imagine. Um, so in a way, I think all three things, music, uh, film, and illustration are all very connected. Yeah. And so, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to integrate all three things someday, um, even though I'm focusing on music right now, yeah, but still... It doesn't mean you can't come back to illustration and film yes, later on. Yes, definitely. Um, when can we see you perform uh, at the Portland Bach Festival? Tomorrow, okay. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You're just doing all, all, all the whole festival, playing throughout. As, yes, in the throughout, okay. throughout. Fantastic. Um, yes, solo, chamber music, and uh, uh, an orchestra. Amazing. And uh, we'll be hearing more of, actually, a performance of Momo Wong on this podcast, her performing uh, Mozart Violin Concerto, am I correct? Yes, number yes. three. And, uh, and this is incredible... Uh, recording and we're so lucky to have Momo Wong from the Portland Bach Festival who is one of the uh, Bach virtuoso recipients for the 20, this 27 wow English what year is it? Yeah. there we go 2017 <laughs> not 217 it's not that far back um, Momo thank you so much for being thank on the podcast thank you for we having are, we're me we're to have you here and thanks for listening to Bach to Bach
to all of the Bach to Bach Nation out there, thank you for sticking with us through 50 episodes. We are. I think the word's enduring. Enduring yeah, us for 50 episodes. It's been a marathon, not a sprint. But you've stuck with us this whole time, and hopefully there'll be 50 more, 100 more to go. But for all of you who like what you heard today, you can find Shipyard at shipyard.com, on Facebook, Instagram, Shipyard Brewing Company. And, and then for the Portland Bach Festival, which is this weekend, this uh, June uh, 17th, the 25th of 2017, uh, here in Portland, Maine, you can check out more information about the festival at portlandbachfestival.org. And until the next time, this has been another episode of Bach to Bach. Cheers. Cheers. Subscribe to Bach to Bach on iTunes and follow us on social media at Bach to Bach.